May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Oh, stop. Seriously, all of y'all are jamming out. It's a great song. Part of me wants to, like, redo the intro all over again just so we can jam out a little more. Now, good morning. My name's Adam Jungblut. I'm the membership and ministry pastor here at the park. And I got to be honest, I don't think I've been this excited about a sermon series in a long time. I mean, I have gotten songs stuck in my head of just jamming out to number ones. Uh, it's ridiculous, the songs that I've been singing. So we're in a new series, Number One Hits, and we're looking at, we're listening to classic number one hits in our time, lifetime, well, maybe not all of them from my lifetime, maybe some of them from your lifetime. Um, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, this is when you elbow the person next to you and laugh. So, all right, looking at number one hits, but we're also looking at some number one classic hits in scripture, all of them coming out of a chapter one, teachings that have just stood the test of time that we hear, that resonate inside of us, just like a song does. And we even have our own Billboard Top 10 hits. Today's number one hits, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. We also have some other fun songs up there, real ones, some silly ones. But we have a newcomer on the Billboard hit uh, chart this week. World 5 Man of Action made an appearance, starting off at number 2, which is really big. Some of you all might not know this. Pat Hunt, our worship pastor. This is his other band. Man of Action is there. Yeah, pretty cool. It's their first single off their most recent album, and it's actually hitting the charts here in America and over in Europe. You should absolutely go listen to it. I know, pretty cool. So yeah, debuting at number two on the charts. So it's not like he can beat God. So I told him, sorry, dude, there's no way. So, But look, First Peter has stood the test of time in this passage because of what it calls us to. It calls us to stand out. It calls us to live a higher calling. And when we read this passage, there's just something that excites us. There's just something inside of us that it's it's that desire that we want to stand out because of Christ. There was a time that I really stood out. It was in May 2003. I was in South Los Angeles for a church conference with Pastor Mike and Pastor Chris. Chris and Mike are obnoxious San Antonio Spurs fans. I don't mind obnoxious San Antonio Spurs fans as I disdain obnoxious Dallas Cowboys fans because the San Antonio Spurs actually win games. So I'm actually okay with it. I'm actually, you know, just fine. I'm just fine with San Antonio Spurs fans. So we're there. We're in South LA. And of course, the San Antonio Spurs are playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA playoffs. Well, we have to go somewhere to watch the game. So we go to this sports restaurant deal that's got more TVs than I can imagine. And when we walk in, I quickly realize there's Lakers jerseys everywhere. And I mean every single person. Chris and Mike are kind of oblivious to the whole thing. We get a seat. We're in the middle of the restaurant, and we're surrounded. The game comes on. I just kind of have my head down. I'm not a big Spurs fan because we have the Rockets, but... You know, okay, they're a Texas team. So I've just got my head down in the menu. I'm looking at it. Chris and Mike are glued to the TV screens. San Antonio does something, and they just cheer. Woo! Restaurant, silent. (laughs) All eyes directly at us. It's like, oh, this this is going to be good. Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to do at a church conference. (laughs) So it's at that moment that we had the choice. Are we going to just keep our mouths shut? Or are we, and by I mean we like Mike and Chris, are they going to continue to be obnoxious? 
Well, of course, they have, I guess, no concern for their life, and they decide to just continue to be obnoxious. I mean, there is one point, it was a close game, Mike's on his chair, cheering for the San Antonio Spurs. And I'm like, man, we're in South LA, dude. This is not going to end well for us. <laughs> the game is getting so close. Toward the end of the game, a waiter from a table nearby delivers us a plate full of steak knives with a message that says, you're going to need these to get out of here if the Spurs win. <laughs> dude, go Lakers, Lakers. Yeah, I know. So yeah, luckily the Lakers won. The Lakers won, and so we wound up getting out. I mean, it was it wound up being a lot of fun to the handful of tables around us. But I mean, there were some people that were not happy that we were there. Oh, I know what it means to stand out. But look, all of us know that. All of us know what it means to stand out. We've all been in positions like that where we've stuck out like a sore thumb for good reasons, for bad reasons, but we, we understand that concept, and we know those feelings. It's not a newsflash, but we live in a society that says, you don't want to stand out. We live in a society that says, don't buck the tide, go the way that everybody else is going. Whatever, whatever is popular, whatever is cool, that's what our kids want to do. I mean, they live in that society. It drives their desires and what they want to wear from where they want to go, what they want to eat. If that's what everybody's doing, that's what they want. And then as parents, we drop the horrible line of, well, if everybody was going to jump off a cliff, would you? And they give us the look like, you're an idiot. It's the same look that we gave our parents when they said that same thing to us. But look, that's the idea. The idea is, is there's something that just we don't like when we stick out, when we stand out, when we're different than everybody. That's why 1 Peter resonates inside of us. You see, Peter is writing this letter to the Christ followers that live in modern-day northern Turkey. And the Christ-following movement was so young, they were sticking out like sore thumbs everywhere. I mean, they were the tourists with, like, the big camera and the map walking down the streets that you just look at and you're like, tourist. Yeah, that was them. They'd walk down the street, it's like, Christ follower, look at him. And he's writing this letter to them as encouragement. To say, look, because you now follow Christ, your life has been changed. You've got to live that way. Your life has to look changed because you are changed. Because of what Christ has done inside of you. So let me encourage you in your way of living. Let me encourage you about your sticking out. Let me encourage you, and let me help you with this. So I want us to look at these seven verses. The rest of the day, we're, we're going to spend a little bit of our time looking at the teaching of what Peter has. We're going to be going verse by verse and pulling a couple of things out that Peter tells them to do. And then we're going to look at ways that we can be countercultural as Christ followers today. So the very first thing that Peter says, that look, as Christ followers to live a changed life, here's the first thing you've got to do. I must set my hope on Jesus Christ. I must set my hope on Jesus Christ. He opens in verse 13 with this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope. Underline set your hope for me. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Look, where's your hope? We all have hope. We all place our hope in something. I mean, why do you invest your money instead of spending all of it right now? Well, it's because you hope 
that it's going to grow. You place your hope in those accounts. You place your hope in your financial advisor. When you send your kids off to college, you're placing your hope in that institution to educate them and to train them for their degree and for their career. You place your hope in it. So Peter is saying, hey, set your hope on Jesus Christ, on the grace that is given to you. But it's interesting how he phrases it. It's not just set your hope on Jesus Christ. It's set your hope on Christ's coming back, revealing himself at his coming, when Jesus comes back to this earth. You see, what Peter is teaching here is that, look, you're changed. You are Christ followers because you have been given grace. You've been given grace from your sins. But the grace that we experience now is going to be fulfilled when we see Christ again. Because the grace has its complete fulfillment when we stand before God And he judges us and we say, yeah, these are all of our sins, but I don't have to pay for them because Christ died for me. The grace that I have received from Christ, I get to go to heaven. And God's going to say, come on in. So we have grace now, but it's more of like a deposit. It's a deposit of what's going to come when we see Christ again. He says, that's what you set your hope on. Don't set your hope on today. Set your hope on that day. That is what you need to be focusing on. And if you set your hope on Jesus Christ, and you set your hope on your grace being completely fulfilled when you see him, well then, it's going to change our lifestyle. So we've got to set our hope. He continues on in verse 14 with the second thing. He tells us that if you're going to be changed, that I must not conform back to my old way of life. Not conform back to my old way of life. He continues on in verse 14. He says, as obedient children, underline these next three words, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You see, this is key. Look, you used to live life apart from Christ. All of us did. We used to live life without Jesus Christ, without having a relationship with him. For some of us in this room, maybe more recent than others. Peter is saying, don't go back. Don't go back. I know that you might stand out because you're changed, and it feels a little awkward, but don't go back to your old way of life. And here's the reason why. Because in your old way of life, you lived apart from God. The choices that you made, the decisions that you made, the way that you lived set you apart from him. Don't go back to the things that set you apart from God. Peter's saying, look, your old life is done. You're changed. Do not go back. Do not go back to living life apart from God. You see, we used to live life where God and our relationship with Christ had nothing to do with our work. We weren't Christ followers, so when we went to work in the relationships that we had in the office and everything that we had with our jobs had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Well, don't live like that anymore. Christ follower is a huge part of who you are. So Christ now comes with you to the office. He's now part of your relationships. The way that deals are closed and 
commissions are earned and the way that papers are signed should be different now. Don't go back to your old way. Your old way of life used to set you apart from God and live in opposition of him. Don't go back. Remember, your hope's on him, so don't go back to your old way. He gives us a third thing to do, a third thing of encouragement to these Christ followers. We find it in verse 15 through 17. And he says, here's your fill-in, live holy, or basically stand out. Stand out as if a foreigner. But just as he who called you is holy, underline these three words, so be holy. Just as Jesus Christ was holy, so you be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Just as Jesus Christ was holy, just because Jesus Christ stood out, he was set apart, he was different, he was holy. Look at everything Jesus did, he stood out. Everything about Jesus Christ was countercultural and different to the way that society was in those times. I mean, the people that Jesus hung out with, very different. The places that he went were very different. Not only the teachings, but the way that he taught was very different. The lifestyle, very different. We say things like, hey, you know what, I'm I'm trying to be Christ-like. If you're trying to be Christ-like, your life should look nothing like what the norm is here in our society. Because Jesus Christ was nothing like the norm. He was nothing like anybody ever expected of him. Peter is saying, look, here's the number one hit. You're changed. You're Christ followers. So live that way. Stand out. Live holy. Be set apart from the norm. But he gives us in the end, in verses 18 and 19, the why. This is so crucial. It's if we don't understand this last part, well, it just becomes something that we do. And then if we ever get kind of tired of it or if we ever get sick of kind of standing out, it's just easy for us to not and to go back with the flow. Because look at what he says in 18 and 19. Why should we do these things? It's for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, That you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. You see, here's the why. Here's the big why I should be doing these things. It's because your life was bought. Your life was purchased. Not with gold or silver, which extremely valuable things. All of us would love to have a truckload of gold dumped into our backyards today. We would love it, but with something far more precious than that, something far more powerful, something worth far more. It was bought with Christ's death and his blood on the cross. See, when we redeem something, it's like when we redeem, it's like we're using a coupon, just like when you go to the grocery store. You are purchasing something. And it is being redeemed. Your life has been purchased by God through the death of his son. 
And it's because that you've been purchased that you have this grace. It's because that you've been purchased, you have this grace now, and that at some time in the future, when we see Jesus again, either we go meet him or he comes here to meet us, our grace is going to be fulfilled, and we will get to spend eternity with God. See, it's nothing that we've done. It's not a decision or a choice that we've made. It's a purchase that God has made over our lives through his son. That's why this is so important. In a room this size, there's somebody in here that right now feels that butterflies tug in their lives, in their stomach, because you've never become a Christ follower. It's like you're realizing right now, for the very first time, that your life was purchased by somebody else. That there's no way that you can make up for the mistakes in your life. There's no way that you can go to heaven based on your own good works, because compared to our good works, we also have a lot of bad works that we've done. Look, Jesus Christ purchased your life when he died on the cross. And all he asks for you is to follow him. If there's never come a time in your life where you've committed your life to following Jesus Christ, would you do it today? Why? Because your life was bought with something far more precious than gold and silver. It was bought by a man's death on a cross. There's never come a time in your life when you do that. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. On the back, pray that prayer now. Pray it later. The important thing is to pray that prayer and commit your life to following him. But look, this number one hit has huge implications in our lives. And the implications that it has for us are actually very different than the Christ followers in northern Turkey. Just because their society looked different. And look, if we're going to stand out, if we're going to do things that are countercultural that are different than what society says that we should do. Well, then we do it because of Christ. You know, as I was working on this message, there there are just a handful of areas that I was thinking that we need to live this out. Because I am changed by Christ, I need to live a changed life. And if I'm going to live a changed life, well, then it has to look different. It has to look as if I'm changed. Not like my old life, but my changed new life. So what are the keys? There's a couple of keys. I I just wrote them down. And I want us to go through them. Keys to stand out because we're changed. Here's the first one. That if we're going to stand out, here's some things that we have to do. We have to view others better than myself. You have to view others as better than yourself. Look what it says in Philippians 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. That is totally different than what society says. You're supposed to look at others as better. But that, that, that's almost like, how, what does that look like? I don't understand. Does this mean that like I have to crush my own self-esteem and I now look at myself as dirt and worthless to look at some, uh, others as better? No, not at all. Look, when you view others as better than yourselves, well, then it's easy for you to compliment them. It's easy for you to encourage them. It's easy for you to go out of your way and serve them because you think they're better than you. Here, here's a great test. and Here's something that, that, that I'll always pray. I want somebody to leave my present feeling better about themselves than when they came in. 
You know, we all have that kind of person in our lives that whenever we go talk to them, we just feel really good because they're so encouraging. And we love talking to that person because they just make us happy. I feel great about myself. That's the idea. When you view somebody as better than yourself, it doesn't mean that you make fun of yourself to make them look better. No, it just means you tell them how great they are. If you view them as better than you, tell them. It is great to receive a compliment. I mean, it's the idea, if I walk up to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so great at this. And then you're like, no, Adam, you're so great at this. No, you're so great at this. Well, you're also so great at this. It's like, oh, we're so great, I'm so happy. That's the idea. How awesome would that be? Yeah. That's the concept. Treat others that way. Treat others as better than yourselves. Uh, Think of the implications of this. Think of the implications. If you treat your kids as if they're better than you. Man, what would that do to their self-esteem? What would that do to encourage them? For you to come alongside your kid and say, look, you're better at this following Christ thing than me. You're better at it because you just, you trust. You, you, you trust and you follow and you don't go through all of the, well, if I do this, then this, or what if this? I don't know what that's going to look like. You just trust. You read something in the Bible, you do it, it says do it, and you do it. You're so much better at following Christ than I am. Wow. What's that going to look like for your kids, for your grandkids? What's it going to look like for the people in your small group? Countercultural. Yeah. I mean, how many bosses tell their employees, you're better at this than me? You're so much more advanced at this than I am. Man, how great is it to hear? You've got kids that are grown to call them and say, hey, I want you to know you're a better dad than I was. You're a better mother than I was. For some of y'all that have grown kids, they need to hear that. They need to hear it. Because all they think is that maybe you look at them and that they're not doing a good job. But if you view your kids and the parenting they're doing is better than you, boy, that's different than what society says. Okay, so what's another thing? Another thing, if, if we're going to stand out, we have to look to the Bible first for advice. Look to the Bible first for advice. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Is the Bible the first place you go to for advice? Is the Bible the first place our society goes to for advice? No, it's not. When leaders of businesses, world leaders, have issues and have crises, Do they seek God's word first? No, most of them don't. Our society doesn't say that you should. Always go to the Bible first for advice. And if you're like, well, I don't know where to go in the Bible for for the advice, start reading it. Start reading it. You're going to find the more you read it, the more it talks about life. Here's what it should look like. When you seek advice from somebody else in your life, it should always start with this. Okay, so I read this in Matthew chapter 3 about worry, and I'm struggling with this. Can you help me apply this to my life? That's how it should look. Uh, Advice from somebody else, if you haven't gone to the Bible first, should simply be, hey, I'm struggling in finances. Can you? Where should I go in the Bible? Can you help me with that? Don't you give me advice. Tell me where to go in the Bible. 
when you're struggling in relationships and marriage and job and parenting and removing sin from your life, whatever it may be, the Bible is the first place you have got to go. You will stick out like a sore thumb. If somebody comes to you for advice and they say, hey, can you help me with, and you say, have you, have you looked in the Bible yet? No, well, go look in the Bible and then I'll help you apply that to your life. That's the first place you should go. That's countercultural. That's living different. That's sticking out and that's standing out. And that's what this number one hit says we have to do because our lives were purchased by Jesus Christ. So what's another thing? Here's another thing. If we're going to stand out, I have to grow in generosity. Grow in generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. We have got to grow in our generosity. How do you spend your money? How do you spend your money? Look, if you spend your money like the rest of society, the flow, the norm, that means you base everything on credit. You don't look at something of how much does this cost. The question is, how much is this going to cost us per month? Not how much is this car worth, what's my monthly payment going to be? That's what the world says. Well, now you've got to be countercultural. You've got to stand out. You know what standing out means? Saving. <gasps> Saving your money until you can pay for something in cash. Now that, that's like crazy talk. Seriously, does society teach that? No, they don't. I mean, you want to stick out like a sore thumb in a car dealership? Bring a briefcase full of cash, plop it down the desk, open it, and say, I want that one. Nobody does that in a car dealership. Yeah. Look, we've got to grow. We've got to grow in how we handle our finances. We have got to be different. We've got to be different. You need help in this. You have got to grow in your giving and in your generosity. Do you tithe? Do you tithe? Tithing is basically taking 10% of what you make and giving it to the church that you most regularly attend. If that's the park, well, then it's the park. If it's another place and you're here visiting, glad you're here, 10% of your income goes to that church. It helps us. It helps us to understand growing in our generosity. But here's something else. If you tithe 10%, just 10%, the Bible teaches that you're not a generous person. The Bible teaches that you're obedient. Generous is giving over 10%. See, the Bible says that 10% is where we start in our giving. If you want to be a generous person, well, then you give more. And what we see in 2 Corinthians is we have to grow in our grace of giving. So look, let me encourage you. You want to stand out? And how you spend your money, you want to stand out? Grow in your grace of giving. Grow in your financial generosity. It's going to make some changes. 
you might stick out on your street because you're not going to be able to drive a super nice car because so much of your money is going to other places, you might have to drive an old, used, beat-up car. Oh, you're going to stick out on your street. You're going to be countercultural. Awesome. Of course. Well, it's because your life was purchased. And you know it. That your hope is set on that day of when you're going to see Christ. So I'm going to stick out. You've got to grow in your giving. Grow in your generosity. You want to be countercultural? Here's something else I wrote down. Develop real value in relationships. Develop real value in relationships. Uh, look at what it says in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. Look, here's the deal. How many really great close friends do you have? Not good acquaintances, but really close friends. Where if something happens, you can pull the trigger on a friendship. That's what you've got to grow in. That's what you have to develop. That happens in small groups here at the park. That's where you're going to get together with people and you are going to develop real value in relationships. Not just good friends that you have. You've got to be developing real friendships. Not friendships that you're using to climb or they have access to something or it's just convenient. Real value in your relationships. Here's another thing that I wrote down. We have to follow Jesus Christ together as a family. Follow Jesus Christ together as a family. Look, I've been around church for a long time. I've been here on staff for nine years. A lot of the times, well, most of the times, families don't grow together. It just doesn't happen. A lot of times, maybe a husband grows a lot closer, or a wife grows a lot closer, or the kids are really excelling in small group, but the parents aren't. Very rarely do they follow Christ together. Look what Deuteronomy 6 teaches us. Deuteronomy 6 teaches us, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Parents, you grow together all the time with your kids spiritually. Constantly as a family, you're growing together. Here at the park, we absolutely believe that the spiritual growth that happens here at church is important. We just believe that the spiritual growth that happens at home is more important. That's why this year we've made a couple of changes this summer. We're not doing vacation Bible school this summer. We're not. It it was really good, and it was awesome, but we've got something that's better. We've got something that's great. They're called FX concerts. They're a concert for your entire family to come here and follow Christ together. Hey, I want you to see a quick video about it. Join Parkway Fellowship Wednesday, June 26th at 6.30 to kick off the first of this summer's three family experience concerts. The FX concerts are designed with dads, moms, and kids in mind so that you can enjoy them no matter how old you are. FX concerts are open to any family and completely free. When your family attends an FX concert, you will hear awesome music, watch funny skits, play interactive games, and hear teaching that applies to any age. Plus, every family will receive a free giveaway at each concert. Join us on June 26th to get tickets to a Sugarland Skeeters game, July 24th for our free passes to Katie Inflatable Zone, and August 21st for an ice cream party hosted by the Marble Slab Truck. We promise you don't want your family to miss out on this amazing family event. 
To find out more information, visit kidsatthepark.com. We'll see you there. It's going to be awesome. This Wednesday is our first one. Where in society do you go to a concert to follow Christ together as a family? Well, nowhere. You want to stick out? You want to stand out? Follow Christ together as a family. Come Wednesday night, we will teach you how to follow it in your home from there. It is going to be awesome. Think about this. Think about this picture right here. If we had a church that when Sunday left, we went out into our community and we all lived so different that it caused notice. It made people think that our lifestyle was so different and that we would stick out. We would be the tourist with the big map and the big camera everywhere that we went because we were living countercultural. We were living different. But then on Sundays when we come here, well, that lifestyle is normal. How encouraging would that be to us? And how inspiring would that be to our community? That's why this is a number one hit. That's how Peter says we are to live. All right, I want everybody to pull out your connection card. Flip it over on the back, and I want you to take a step or next step based on the message today. For you, maybe it's this first one. Become a Christ follower today for the very first time in my life. Hey, if that's you, pray that sample prayer at the bottom and check this box. On your way out, I want you to grab a new believer packet there by every single door. Also, be sure that your information's on the front because there's stuff that I want to mail you this week. I will encourage and serve each member of my family twice this week. Look, you want to show people that you view them as better than yourself? Encourage them and serve them. Look, I will grow in my financial giving. Whatever you're giving, grow. Whatever you're giving, grow. Be different. Stand out because of how you manage your finances. Here's another one. Attend the FX concert this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Check that box. It's going to be awesome. You've got to be here. Following that one, pass out all five invite cards for the FX concert. When you walked in in your seat, there was a stack of five invite cards. Look, just because maybe you're not going to come or you don't want to have kids or you just can't come on Wednesday night, look, pass these out. Your neighbors need to come. It is going to be awesome. Look, if you don't have kids, you should come just because it's going to be a great concert. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to laugh, have a blast. Promise me, you've got to be here. All right, here's the next one. Attend the small group I signed up for. Ouch. Yeah. Golly. You want to develop real value in your relationships? Go to small group. There's a handful of you that have checked. I signed up for a small group, but yet you haven't been yet. Go to your small group. They're awesome. That's where your real friendships are going to come in. Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you so much for this number one hit that calls us to stand out that calls us to be different, that calls us to to live in a San Antonio Spurs jersey in a Los Angeles Lakers world. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us, God, on an everyday basis. God, that we would stand out, that we would live holy because our lives were purchased by your son. God, that that would be our motivation, that our motivation would not be for this life, it would be for the next life as we spend eternity with you. So God, in the name of Jesus Christ, would you do a great work in our church this week and in our lives? We love you. And ask all in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship.
You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.